Show number 143 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Yes, it's time for a special interview episode of Look at His Butt. This is one of the interviews that we recorded when we went to the Star Trek convention a little while ago, and we finally decided to get around to putting it up. This is the first half of our interview with Mike Hall of the Merseyside Skeptics. Mike is also the host of the wonderful podcast, Skeptics with a K, which is informative, educational, and also hilariously funny. We talked with Mike for about an hour, so I've split it up into two separate episodes, and this is the first one. It's great. We talk about Star Trek and Doctor Who and atheism and skepticism and a whole bunch of other things. So here's part one, and we'll be back with part two in just a little bit. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for being on our show. Yeah, that's no problem. Oh, well, we're here at a Star Trek convention. Have you ever been to a Star Trek convention? I haven't. I've been to, you know, more Doctor Who conventions than I can count, but I've never got as far as going to a Star Trek convention, actually. I have to go to a Doctor Who convention. To see what it's like? Well, also because I just recently kind of got into Doctor Who. Oh, see, Mike is a huge Doctor Who fan. Yes, He's yes. as big a Doctor Who fan as we are Star Trek fans. Okay. So that's saying something. That That is big. <laughs> Do you, you have a... a, a a look at Doctor Who's butt thing going or anything like that? No, I can't, can't say I ever have um, looked at the Doctor's butt, to be fair. Um, I'm going to correct you. He's called the Doctor. He's not called Doctor Who. That's right. That's, that's right. Oh okay. Oh, see, Sorry. We, we just got spanked two minutes into this conversation. Well, we are at the top of the spanking list. So we do have questions for you. In, in, so this okay. could be actually sort of an interview. Um, so we love talking to people about Star Trek. And how they got involved right. with Star Trek. So we have to ask, how did you become a fan of Star Trek, and when? When did it happen for you? Well, that's 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 a remarkably difficult question, actually. Okay. Um, uh, Star Trek, much like Doctor Who, I got into before I have memories. Oh, in the womb. so yeah. <laughs> I just always remember being into Star Trek and Doctor Who. I I always always remember that. Um, so uh, I, I grew up in a town called Bladen, which is near Newcastle in the northeast of England. And I, I moved down to, um, uh, to the northwest of England, to Merseyside, where I live now, um, when I was about eight years old. But when I was still living up there, um, I, I, I remember going to my friend Graham's house and we watched Star Trek. Star Trek was getting rerun on, on BBC Two in uh, like the late 1980s. Um, and so I remember watching Star Trek in the late 1980s, but I don't remember ever going, oh, this is a new thing. That's, that's cool. I enjoy it. I, it was just always Mike likes Star Trek, uh, I, just as it was always Mike likes Doctor Who. I first saw it before I have memory, so I don't know why I started watching it or why I like it or when I got into it or, or whatever. I know certainly my, my earliest memory of Doctor Who, I've got a very clear memory of, uh, of, of a, a scene of the Doctor standing over a, a hole in the ground um, leading out into space and you get a, a shot of like his sneakers there and there's a hole in the floor and um, that was an episode from 1983 mm -hmm. uh, which would have made me uh, I was three years old when oh, that aired 
Wow. And I can remember that. I can remember that. And so I was already into the show then. (laughs) And with Doctor Who and Star Trek, I was already into those shows when I was three years old, which is crazy. Did you have like a possibly traumatizing moment at, I don't know, about age six where your parents sat you down and had this talk and, you know, like that there's no Santa Claus talk and and told you, okay, these aren't real or no, I'm sorry, I, I, have I just shattered everything for you? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one I use when when if I say to people that I like Doctor Who and they or, or I like Star Trek and they go, oh, beam me up, Scotty, hey, you know, and and try and make fun of me because I'm into science fiction. I I, I throw back at them. I go, it's just TV, you know, it's not real, uh-huh. and that really pulls the rug out from under them because they're like, <laughs> I should be saying that to you. What? <laughs> what you, you you mean you know it's just TV? Yes, of course I know it's just TV. What are you talking about? <laughs> Boy, they're giving you no credit at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So um, was Star Trek something you could watch with your family or was it only with your friends? Um, it, it was something that I, I watched, uh, I, I'd watched with my family, but, but I very specifically remember, um, I remember, um, uh, I remember going home from school and I would go to my friend Graham's house. And I was going to my Graham, my friend Graham's house for dinner um, that 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 day, and I don't even remember Graham's surname. This is like how how crazy this was. Uh, and um, I went round to Graham's house, and I remember sitting in Graham's sitting room and watching uh, the Deadly Years. Oh. And I remember very clearly, like old Kirk uh, on 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 the TV. Um, and I could probably go and look that up. Actually, I could see when the Deadly Years aired in the in the UK in the late eighties and see what date that actually was and find out how old I was when when I remember doing that. But I remember very clearly watching the Deadly Years. I also remember watching. Um, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the episode. Mirror, mirror. Of course, I remember. Oh. Of course, it's mirror, mirror. Isn't I also remember watching mirror, mirror. Isn't it amazing that you can go somewhere to find out what day that showed, but you can't go anywhere and find out Graham's last name? <laughs> Yeah, I've looked for Graham. I have, looked, I've, you know, I've searched Facebook for Graham, sort of guys called Graham in that area. Is, is it hoping that I'd see the the surname and go? Ah, of course it was, of course it was, but I've not been able to find it. But I do remember watching the Deadly as round to his house. Wow, that's great. Okay, so of course the focus of our show is is mainly on William Shatner, Captain Kirk. So yes, let's talk about him for a minute. Um, we have talked to a lot of the people who listen to our show who are Star Trek fans, and um, mm-hmm. we've asked them what why they think that Kirk, as portrayed by William Shatner, is such an amazing character. And everybody has a slightly different take on that. And the guys often have really interesting things to say, as opposed to the women who are mostly on our side and saying things like, he's amazing. Um, what do you think <laughs> about Captain Kirk? Like, What is it about his character that you really dig? Um, I, I love Kirk's character. I do love Kirk's character. Um I think one of the things that I like about Kirk's character, um, and it was something that actually annoyed me in the later Star Treks, is that Kirk is a a flawed person. And well, you watch The Next Generation and everybody is the best of the top. I was the top, I'm the best pilot. I was the fastest runner in the academy and I was the graduated the top of Starfleet and this and that and the other. And it's, oh, stop being so bloody perfect, everybody. <laughs> and it really annoyed me. Uh, and it actually put me off Star Trek for a long time when in, in the sort of newer Star Trek so that everybody was so perfect and nobody had character flaws. Um, but Kirk had character flaws, and I thought that was brilliant. He felt like a real human being because sometimes he got stuff wrong and sometimes he made mistakes. And, you know, oftentimes he didn't because, you know, he was obviously smart and he was brilliant and he was 
you know, he was he was a really good captain. He expressed uh, had uh, good leadership skills, but he got stuff wrong. He made mistakes, um, and and that made him a, a, a more rounded character for me, um, uh, which was something that that uh, I I think is important when you're watching, especially TV drama, that you have flawed characters. Um, because people are flawed. Of course people are flawed. That's really interesting because, you know, we talk about uh, Kirk as a hero, and that's an aspect we haven't touched on, is that a, a hero, a genuine one, is a rounded person and has flaws. And we saw episodes where Kirk had to fight against his flaws. Oh, Obsession, one it, of the best. Yes, yeah. mm. just, just beautiful. And that's... That's, again, one of my objections to the new Trek and the vision they have of what a hero is. A hero is a jerk, just like everybody else, but somehow amazingly these things work out for him. Yeah. Whereas we actually had to see Kirk fighting and, and thinking and working hard to make things happen the way he thought mm -hmm. they yeah, should. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Actually, that, that's so true about Chris Pine. I know we've said it in different mm -hmm. words, but his character in the movie, in my opinion, does nothing to deserve what he gets, right? Exactly. He's a jerk, and he doesn't have to fight with himself. He doesn't reform his own character. No. He doesn't overcome his own weaknesses to become captain of the Enterprise. He just does it because there's nobody else to, to fill that chair. Mm -hmm. It's so lame. Yes, yes. What do you think, Mike? What do you think about the new movie? Uh, the, 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 the thing I didn't like about the new movie was, I mean, I love the movie in general. I enjoyed the movie in general. Um. But the thing I didn't like is that I thought um, Leonard Nimoy's totally forgotten how to play Spock. Ah. I thought his portrayal of Spock was so off the mark. And I don't know if that's just because J.J. Abrams is sitting there saying, I can't tell Leonard Nimoy how to play Spock. So the guy had no direction. Because if it was me, I'd say, but, you know, you know Leonard, you smiled in that scene. What are you playing at? That's, well, that's not Spock. You're not playing Spock. Well, you know, kind of in, in his defense, there is... The character arc of Spock, where, you know, early on he was this very strict, you know, like kosher Vulcan, <laughs> and and that he he grew into accepting his human side and and becoming accepting of of, of those around him and seeing the value to a certain extent of of emotion that was part of the the gaining of wisdom I think for Spock mm -hmm. as opposed to just yeah, the gaining yeah, of knowledge. But that's very but, interesting. But you look at you look at the last time we saw Spock, which was Unification, mm -hmm. and how he comes over in the movie. It's like two different guys. That it's two. True. Yeah, it's that's they're completely true. different characters. There's no progression there. You got it's there. like it's a totally different guy. Yeah, yeah. very interesting. Mm. Did you like uh, Zachary Quinto? I did like Zachary Quinto. Um, I, I really enjoyed Zachary Quinto. I liked the uh, the guy playing Chekhov as well, even though he bears not even a passing resemblance um, to Walter Koenig. But, uh, and the guy who played um, the guy who plays McCoy, who's basically doing an impression of DeForest Kelly for the entire movie. <laughs> he was great. <laughs> Carl Urban. He was really Carl good. Urban. I really enjoyed him. He's a guy guy uh, called uh, uh, Carl Urban, and yes. who's been cast as Judge Dredd in a new Judge Dredd movie. Yeah. Aemer in Lord of the Rings. I was going to yeah. say, that was the first thing I remember him from was Lord of the Rings. Yeah, him and his eyebrows, his yes. big, bushy eyebrows. <laughs> well, I remember I, I, I texted my friend Joe to say, Carl Urban's playing Judge Dredd in the new Judge Dredd film. Um, and Joe texted me back and said, he's worse than that. He's, it's worse than that. He's Dredd, Jim. Which <laughs> oh! Me... <laughs> oh, my Which God. really killed me. Yes. <laughs> That's both original and terrible. <laughs> <laughs> 
So aside from the original series, were there any other Star Trek series that you really liked and watched uh, religiously? Um, I, I watched all the way through The Next Generation, loved The Next Generation. Um, I got uh, uh, most of the way through Deep Space Nine. I don't think I've ever seen about the back half of season six and the, the, the whole of season seven of Deep Space Nine. I've never seen um, uh, the second Dax, Ezra Dax, never seen da- that the, the new Dax at all. Um, uh, watched most of the way through Voyager, drifted out, uh, uh, drifted out of that about season four when they rejected my script. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not that you're bitter or holding a grudge. I am bitter and holding a grudge. Oh, it was good. terrible. It was a good script. Own it was a that. good script. Own that bitterness. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, so I, I, I sort of drift out of Voyager and never watched um, any of Enterprise at all. But recently, I've um, uh, recently when they did the the, the remastered um, original series with, uh, with with you know the new CGI effects and all in HD and things like that. Um, uh, I thought, right, I've got to watch all that. So I watched all the way through the original series again. Um, and you probably saw me up on Twitter going, hey, this this is what's happening in this episode. <laughs> um, and um, so I watched all the way through the original series again. Um, and I loved the um, uh, that they, they'd done all new CGI effects, but they were in period. They were in keeping. They, yeah. they didn't try and make them like Wizzy and said they looked like it, they, we could have done this in the 60s if we just had a little bit more money. Mm-hmm. Um which I really liked. And that sort of got me a taste for Star Trek again. So I've, I've, I've subsequently watched the rest of Voyager that I missed, and I've, I've just finished doing that. I'm starting watching through Enterprise now because I didn't see any of Enterprise at all. And I'm watching, watching through all of Enterprise now. But I drifted out of Star Trek around the late 90s, kind of, because uh, until then I was involved in a Star Trek fan group uh-huh. um, in, in Liverpool. I was running a Star Trek fan group in Liverpool. Um, and we'd get episodes flown over from the States on tape so we could watch episodes that hadn't aired here yet. Um, and we did a fanzine. I did like a 30-page fanzine once a month, more or less, single-handedly. Wow. Because um, no one else was interested, really. And so I would <laughs> sit down and, and, and bang out this fanzine. Well, I should have been... I, I used all my paper quota at university printing fanzines instead of printing uh, the, my, my uh, 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 coursework that I should have been doing. Um, and so I, I, I did this 30-page fanzine. And we charged, we charged about two pounds for people to get in. Um, and so we, I, I turned up one, one, one month I turned up late and I didn't have the time. And I said, well, you know, here's the fanzines, put the show on, uh, and we'll give us your, your two pounds later. We'll just sort it out later on. And at the end of the afternoon, I said, right, you know, that's it. Thanks very much for coming, everybody. Uh, we'll see, see you again next month. Don't forget to, to pay your money on the way out. And they all said, uh, no, we've, we've, we've got your fanzine now. We've seen your tape. What are you going to do? Um, and they all left without paying. Wow. Um, so and so on the bus on the way oh. into, um, is that what caused your drift? Yeah, basically it was, wow. it was, it was like, I don't want to be associated with these people that really, really annoyed me. Wow. And so that's, you know, caused me to kind of drift out of the whole um, Star Trek thing as well as, um, all, all the new Trek characters being beige and perfect, which, <laughs> which, 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 which had annoyed me anyway. Right. Uh, so that is what kind of pushed me away from, uh, from, from Star Trek. Um, but I, I, I always loved the original series, though. Even though the, uh, even when I'd, uh, even when I drifted out of Star Trek, it was always, oh, but the original series is cool. I love the original series. I may, maybe that's a nostalgia thing. Maybe that's because I remember watching it when I was when I was young. It totally is really good. And I'm sure you found that. I mean, when we watch episodes over again, even though we've seen all of them many, many times, they're still so fucking good. Mm-hmm. They're just amazing. Mm. They're great. They're well written. 
tightly scripted, some of them really well directed. Mm -hmm. They're beautiful. And they've, they've got some big names on the, the, the writing staff there, yeah. you know? Yeah. People like, like people like Richard Matheson, yeah. you know, who wrote I Am Legend. And it's like, you know, he's writing episodes for Star Trek. I think he wrote um, uh, Enemy Within, I think it was his, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, and we've, um, we've heard um, people who talk about like the behind the scenes stuff saying that this was such an exciting opportunity to science fiction writers yeah. to write, to be able to write these stories and have them presented on television and I think a lot of them you know weren't your typical like TV writer where they're they're in the genre of, of comedy or TV drama or whatever these were people who had you know some some very well thought out mm -hmm. story ideas and yes they they got to a certain extent as always happens mashed and mangled to fit the the time slot and the you know the mm. TV standards of the time, but still, like at the heart of it, there there are some incredible ideas in those because stories. Because they were science fiction writers, they weren't right. TV writers, right? And that was the big difference. Yeah, it was great. So let's see, have you seen all the movies? I have seen all the movies. Yes. What's your favorite? Yeah. Uh, oh, that's a difficult one. Um, of the Next Generation movies, it's First Contact. Mm -hmm. um, but I think Wrath of Khan overall. Yay! I think Wrath of, Wrath of Khan's a, a really good... I mean, aside from being good Star Trek, it's also a good movie. It's yeah. the movie you sit down with people who don't like Star Trek and say, watch this. It, you know, this kicks ass. Mm -hmm. uh, and, it, and it does. It's a cool movie, Wrath of Khan. It really is. I love that movie. Um, do you subscribe to the even movies versus odd-numbered movies theory? Uh, I actually really like the motion picture. <laughs> Uh, I, I, it's it, it's odd. I think it was the director's cut that really sold me on the motion picture. Um, for uh, Star Trek Three, uh, Star Trek Five, I actually really enjoyed as well. I really enjoyed the character stuff with Kirk McCoy and um, uh, and Spock camping at the beginning. I really enjoyed that, uh, that 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 kind of stuff. I I wrote a positive review of Star Trek Five for the Star Trek fans in the room, which got me an awful lot of flack from the rest of the Star Trek group. And that's why um, they wouldn't pay you. Mm. <laughs> uh, maybe that's why they wouldn't pay me, yeah. Um, uh, but it's also sort of, it, it's it's kind of inherently atheistic, that one as well, um, which, yes. you know, I, I, I'm an atheist and I always have been an atheist. And so to have this, this uh, th these characters in this show quite openly doubting God, this sort of, what does God need with a starship? Uh-huh. Um, about that last night. But there's, there, there's no indication of this isn't the real God. Obviously, there is a God, but this isn't him. They don't even suggest that. It's just right. like you know, if 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 this is God, then uh, you know, what what does he need with the starship? And I think that was that was a Gene Roddenberry thing. It was Gene Roddenberry who sort of said, "There's no religion in the future," uh -huh. um, which uh, is, uh, I mean, uh, uh, I've got mixed opinions on Gene Roddenberry, but I think that's one of the things that he he did really well was um, was the 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 there's no religion in the future. Uh -huh. Yeah, well, he was an atheist. Yes, and uh, yeah. yeah. I think a lot of the people who were involved in uh, writing the show were also atheists. I mean, I know Harlan is and has been for a long time. Um, and, and Shatner, as we'd seen in some of those interviews, mm -hmm. came across pretty strongly that way. Um, oh, and, and even, yeah, he, he's come out and, and said that. Yeah. 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 Well, there's, there's, a, there's a track on, um, on, on Has Been where he says, um, I, 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 um, I can't get behind the gods who are more hateful, vengeful, yes. and angry when you don't believe in them. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. It, it's very good. Well, here's the thing. That, Wait, um, I have a question totally oh. off track of Star Trek, but I, I, I want to ask you this anyway, Mike. Okay. Um, have you seen the movie The Adjustment Bureau? 
No, I haven't. Oh, okay. When you see it, I want, if, if you do see it, because it just came out here in the States like a week ago, but if you do see it, I would love to have an email from you telling us what your opinion is on certain aspects of the movie that I'm not going to give away to you now, but you'll know what I'm talking about if you see it. As okay. an atheist, because through parts of it, I was sitting there with my mouth sort of hanging open, and I really had to to afterwards sort of examine my own assumptions about what Hollywood presents. So I, mm. I would love to have your opinion on that. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll make a point of seeing it so I can let you know. Okay, oh, that would be great. You Thanks. just gave him homework. I know, I just gave you homework <laughs> in an interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, oddly enough, uh, 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 this, this, uh, this afternoon I was arguing with fundamentalist Christians in Liverpool, oh, um, as, as I tend to do. <laughs> I spotted them across the street and thought, oh, a bit of sport. Um, I went over and tied this guy up in knots. With the fundamentalists oh, and, and right. purposely we're doing everything we could to shock them. But go ahead. <laughs> but my, I, I, my friend Duncan, who I was at school with and I haven't seen him in years, um, spotted me arguing with the fundamentalists and came over and said, you know what, I don't have your cell phone number anymore, but I don't need to. I just need to spot some fundamentalists in the street and you're going to be there arguing with them. And he was on his way to go and see the Adjustment Bureau at the, as well, just by oh. some crazy random coincidence. Freaky. Okay. Very freaky. Okay, so here's my idea. I want to know what you think of it. Um, there's a skeptics in the pub out here in, in where near where I live, and I wanted to... Um, put together a talk for it that talks about how if you have to choose between Star Trek and Star Wars, Star Trek mm. is a much better fit for the skeptic atheist viewpoint. And Star Wars is kind of the opposite of that. Um, okay. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, well, it's, uh, um, it's certainly the original three Star Wars films. You have this kind of woo-woo spiritual angle mm -hmm. to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. I'm only going um, with the three films, not the crap that came afterwards, but just the original. Yeah, because the, <laughs> the, the, the later three films, they try and kind of scien scientificize it yeah. and go, oh, there's, this thing, there's these things that live in your blood and, there's, uh, and, and they try and sort of turn the force into a, a, a scientific idea. But it was definitely a kind of spiritual um, uh, idea. That said... Um, by the rules of the Star Wars universe, there's fairly reasonable empirical proof of the Force existing. And so the skeptic position would be, yeah, sure, there is a Force. That's true. That's interesting. That is true. But it seems like um, there, there are things about it that either, like, like it's never really clear um, why Luke gets to be powerful is it just because he happened to have a father who was his father what does he bring to it as a person like what is his own merit that he brings mm. to his skills whereas in in star trek it's really clear right it's based on your training and your education and, and what you do. Yeah, yeah 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 and with luke it's and, and never really clear star trek has this this scientific universe that they that they live in mm -hmm. Um, much the same as Doctor Who is largely it's a scientific universe that they live in. And there are such things as psychic powers and telepathy, but they're scientifically explained. It's yeah. like, you, you know, you have a special brain and that means you can have uh, uh, psychic powers. And there are these, you know, kind of things that we would refer to as magic, but in those realms, those universes, they, they operate on a scientific basis and they operate on scientific principles, which is a lot of the reason why I've ended up... Um, being the being the person I am, because I grew up with these two shows, the Doctor Who and Star Trek, that presented the the, the world as being a science based world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, and that cultivated my interest in 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 science, and that's it's why I you know do what I do with 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 skepticism now, is because I'm enthusiastic about science because I was enthusiastic about science fiction, yeah. And that's the the road that sort of led me into the whole the the, the whole skepticism arena. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And and as you say, things are explained. Things that could be magic are explained. And in Star Trek as well, you know, Vulcans have these wacky powers, but they're not magic powers. They're explained mm. as being because they're from a planet and because they've evolved on this planet and because they've managed to access something in their minds that actually work. And it doesn't happen by magic. It's because they've had structure and training to use it to do the things that they want to do. Or they're like not- the, the second eyelid. Yeah, that, that too. Like they yeah. explain that. They explain that in a way that, from an evolutionary standpoint, kind of makes sense. Yeah. So basically this talk that I want to give is just an excuse to talk about Star Trek and how much I love it. But uh, <laughs> I, I thought this would be a, a good thesis <laughs> to sort of base it on. And I, I think it makes sense. And also yeah. the atheistic part of it too, because in, in almost every episode, they they do whatever the cause is. And they did this in TNG too. There is no God that's controlling it, mm. except for the Bread and Circuses one. But, you know, they they couldn't just come out and say, oh, sorry, there's no God. Because I don't think they could have gotten that on TV in 1967. <laughs> Um, but do you think we were talking last night with Maynard about um, who could be representative of, of a, a skeptical community that's not, you know, Dawkins or, or Randy or somebody? I think Captain Kirk would be so good as a, as a skeptical representative, right? He's like the ultimate skeptic. Um, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> I think it, I know, like- it'd be good to have fictional characters like that just to to show that it can go into other realms that it's not just people with degrees mm-hmm. mm. and it was something uh, uh, the it's something that uh, the doctor in doctor who does very well yeah. um as well is he's there, there was a, an episode in uh, the the mid 70s called the demons um where satan shows up basically and and satan is not satan satan is an alien from a planet called Deimos. Um, who came to Earth millions of years ago, and he's cloven-hooved, and he has horns on his head, and this is where our image of, of Satan comes from. And the producer of the show at the time was a Buddhist, so he didn't care about coming in and using Christian mythology and kind of explaining it away with science. And the Doctor bangs on in an episode about science, not sorcery. It's, it, you know, it's not magic. And there's other, ca- other characters around him go, well, this is obviously Satan. This is obviously magic. This is magic. And the Doctor go, no, no, it's science, 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 right down the line. Mm-hmm. And it was something that in the, 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 uh, one of the more recent series where Satan shows up again in, uh, a, and a completely different version of Satan shows up in, in one of the David Tennant um, stories. And uh, the Doctor's kind of dangling on a line in a pit and someone says to him, well, what do you believe, Doctor? And he's going, mm, I don't know. And he's, he starts humming and harring. And it's like, what happened to science, not sorcery? Why, why are you suddenly humming and harring about the, uh, the existence of the afterlife and God and the devil and all that sort of business? Which is crazy because the Russell T. Yeah. Davis, who's yeah. writing the most recent, doc, uh, that, yeah. well, was writing that series of Doctor Who, um, is an atheist. He's quite an out and proud atheist. Um, but he made the doctor kind of hum and ha, and uh, which oh, which I find quite frustrating. Well, that that is annoying when they they'll change a, a character like that. I wonder why they did that. Did you find out why, or have you read anything about why they did that? I, I've no. I think it was uh, you know it it, it was a, accommodationism basically mm-hmm. that you can't have the doctor standing there saying you know uh, well of course there's no gods that's ridiculous. So, so they, they could, had to have stand there and go mm, I don't know I don't so know. They could do it thirty years ago, but they couldn't do it now. 
Well, apparently they could do it 30 years ago, but they can't do it now, exactly. Oh. But, yeah. but, there's stuff on, on TV, like not just Star Trek, but also the early Saturday Night Live sketches. Mm -hmm. You watch them now, and some of them you're going, I can't believe that made it onto television, because we, as a, as a, a culture or whatever, has become so much more conservative and strict about you know, what ideas can be presented in this mass medium. Mm -hmm. And I think there was more of an exploratory nature to the, the, whole, the whole culture then. Mm. I think that's right. Well, I, I think we should uh, start adopting people like Kirk and Doctor Who as, as our, our representatives. Mm -hmm. our, well, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm loving about the whole character of, of Doctor Who, and I've mostly been watching the David Tennant ones, um, is yes, it is scientifically based. The whole thing is, is science, but there is such a wonderful sense of awe and wonder to, to when he, you know, looks, looks out the door and, and sees the universe or sees this time period he's gotten to. He's always excited to see it. And mm. human companions, yeah. you know, <clears throat> are on this great adventure with him. But it's a science adventure. It's great. Yeah, it's that, that kind of Carl Sagan-like enthusiasm yes. where you just, yeah, oh, everything in the universe is totally brilliant. It's something that I'd read actually about someone, had, I don't remember who said this, they'd said about the word awesome. Um, and I don't remember who it was, but they, they, they'd said the word awesome has been completely ruined by popular culture yeah. because you get a new skateboard and that's awesome and you get a new T-shirt and that's awesome. It's like, well, what happens when you see, you know, the birth of a star? Yeah, what some, words can you use? You can't say, oh, that's that, awesome. The what's as good as my T-shirt? Is, is that yeah. what you're saying? And that's the end of part one of our interview with the lovely and talented Mike Hall of the Merseyside Skeptics and Skeptics with a K podcast. We will be back in about a week with part two in which Mike talks about his Voyager script. See you then. Mm -hmm.